Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Gathering all the information you would need to stay ahead of the curve on your crypto investments. Welcome to Thriller Rundown. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Rundown. Today is Monday, April 26, 2021, and we are talking all roads lead back to Bitcoin. This is probably the most important episode of Thriller Rundown of the year. Let's jump into it, starting now. The Rundown. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today's a beautiful day here in Austin, Texas. And uh, this might be the most important thriller rundown that we do this year. And I mean that because, you know, typically we roll out a Thriller Insider and I break this down. But this is kind of one of those where we've already prepped y'all. <laughs> we have prepped y'all uh, for a long time coming with this. This is not going to get you by surprise. Um, what we've talked about in the past, I'll put the links to the show notes. You know, Ethereum Golden Spiral was an episode that we talked about this. A theory of hard digital assets was another episode that we talked about this last year. We're early. We're always early. We're, we're, we're usually months ahead of everybody else in this space when it comes to, to a lot of things. So this is just kind of everybody else starting to catch up to speed with what's going on. Um, so this is not a surprise that everybody's finally caught up to speed with where we're at now. Okay, with all that being said, you have a lot of Bitcoin, um, I guess you would call them holders, um, moving over to Ethereum, right? Um, you have Eric Voorhees. You have the Winklevoss twins. You even have Brian Armstrong. Uh, you even have Rao Paul. Uh, these are these are some of the new ones that have just moved over to the Ethereum camp and are shilling Ethereum out there on Bitcoin Twitter and crypto Twitter. Um, so much so that they're going on YouTube, crypto YouTube and, and shilling it to anybody. And it's kind of wrong in, in, in kind of my, you know, summarization. I mean, just kind of take a listen to what Raul was saying out there. Listen. Yeah, um, I'm hoping to add to Ethereum um, soon, um, and I will probably continue to add to that because if I look at the chart of Ethereum versus Bitcoin, it looks like it's basing. Usually, it's, Ethereum is also very much following the 2017 Bitcoin cycle, both in price, in number of wallet addresses, in market cap. I mean, it's identical. It's, it's kind of spooky. He's saying that in 2021, when Ethereum's 20, what is it, $2,400 right now? <laughs> Come on, man. Um, don't you have a crypto channel <laughs> called uh, Real Vision or something? Right? Don't, does, does, I think they, I think he charges like 
$2,000 a year or something. It's, it's mind boggling to me <laughs> that uh, people pay for this, these type of insights. Um, we released Ethereum Golden Spiral last year in April of 2020. Uh, Ethereum was like 200 bucks. <laughs> We're telling you guys, uh, you, know, you know, what was it? 12 months ago, Ethereum was going to, you know, do this. <laughs> We're telling you 7K Ethereum was on the way, right? This is not a surprise, <laughs> you know? We've been telling you that Ethereum Futures was coming since the backed release in 2019 when we had a we had that illegal picture that somebody took in July of 2019. Somebody took an illegal picture on Twitter. Old car stole it, <laughs> put it on Thriller Premium, right? Shared it with y'all. And on there was Ethereum Futures was coming. Ethereum was gonna be a commodity. Bitcoin was there already. And uh, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what to say at this point. You know, when I see things like this, it pains me because here he is shilling to everybody. Now they're going to go rush out by Ethereum expecting a, you know, a pump to 20K or whatever he promised them. Who knows if it's going to get to 20K? I don't think it's going to get to 20K. I think 4K, 7K is, you know, a conservative bet, you know, for Ethereum. But if you're going to buy a 2400, that's just ridiculous, man. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? I mean, there's safer ways to make money. Anyways, so that's one aspect to all this, right? Because what what ultimately started is... You have these past Bitcoin holders who are now pro Ethereum holders. But the reason they're doing this isn't because they hold Ethereum bags. No, it's not that. The reason they're doing this is because they're trying to make a case to institutional investors, right? Ethereum is now a commodity. It's being traded out there on Ethereum futures contracts, right? So there's a lot of institutional money out there, and the vast majority is, is, is buying Bitcoin. Of course they should, <laughs> right? There, there might be a Bitcoin ETF early next year. You know, maybe if we're lucky, we'll see at the end of this year. I doubt it, but maybe if we're lucky. But early next year, it looks like it's when it's going to happen. But for right now, Ethereum futures is, 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 is where everybody's kind of looking at, right? We're in, a, we're in a super cycle for commodities, right? We shared that here recently. Still, most people are barely talking about that now. I think I heard Max Kaiser talk, bring it up. But people are barely waking up to that super cycle about commodities. Digital commodities being the, the bulk of where that's going to come from here in 2040. Or by 2040, I should say. So we're, we're giving out all this information. People are slowly piecing it together. Good old car has this information for y'all readily available because I just just do the extra digging. I have the time. It's okay. I like doing it. <laughs> it's, it's my hobby. <laughs> I enjoy it. I like being, I like, I like knowing this kind of stuff. You know, it intrigues me. But what's interesting is they had to take a step further. And this is where I have to say, you know what? Okay, guys, 
let's go back, 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 back. You know, I'm totally with Ethereum seeing it as a digital commodity. I'm I'm there with you. I'm right there with you, right? I see it being a fiat currency, you know, base layer and extending the life of it, <laughs> right? I've been saying that for almost a year and a half now. I really do see Ethereum extending the life of fiat currency. I've been saying that for almost a year and a half at this point. I think I'm the only person in the entire world that says this, but Ethereum is going to extend the life of fiat currency, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm probably the only other person. I think, I think I've maybe heard one other person say this, but fractional reserve banking will get created into DeFi, into CeFi, and it will be locked into these protocols because fiat currency is being extended <laughs> its lifespan because of Ethereum, right? It's not a surprise Tether is getting shipped on Coinbase Pro. They actually were supposed to release it today, but it got pushed back for tomorrow. We'll talk about that here in five good minutes. That's, that's something else entirely different. But... Like I said, fiat currency <laughs> is extending its lifespan because of Ethereum. This is not, you know, secretive news. This is out there for anybody to pick up. It's just no one's picking it up, man. Right? Fractional reserve banking gets created into CeFi, into DeFi, and it'll be locked into these freaking protocols. It's fine. Fiat currency is extending its life because of Ethereum. That's fine. Right? Money printing goes burr in this bull run. That's fine. Circulating supply on Ethereum is infinite. That's fine. It's an unstable protocol layer. That's fine. There's utility built on top of Ethereum. That's fine. <laughs> It'll take time for institutional money to come on. That's fine. <laughs> you know, let's say if, if uh, let's say if Binance comes on top of uh, Ethereum and, and does better long term and Ethereum loses, it still has smart contracts that succeed. That's fine. Right. But ultimately, Ethereum is not ultrasound money, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I will not <laughs> let Ethereum people, or I should call them Ethereans or ETH heads, because they're acting like ETH heads, go out there and say that Ethereum is ultrasound money because it's not. It's not ultrasound money. Not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. So when I hear Justin Drake, who works for the Ethereum Foundation, say crazy shit like what I'm about to play right now, it really grinds my gears. Take a listen.
I think once we in the, the digital world, um, you, know, you know, there's there's many properties that are very important to have if you want to be that that shelling point where everyone congregates and where the narrative kind of um, does its does its magic, as you say. Um, and like I think one of the big ones um, is is program programmability, and this is one of the the things that uh, is is a distinguisher between um, you know Bitcoin and Ethereum. But you know beyond that, if you look purely at um, you know e economic considerations, I think there's there's two of them. The first one is e economic security, right? So Bitcoiners care very very deeply about security, and for very very good reason. You know they're paranoid. You know, it's part of the, the, the culture. And one of the amazing things is that from an economic security standpoint, um, Ethereum is miles ahead than Bitcoin. Um, so that's kind of one check uh, in the checklist uh, that we have. I guess uh, another aspect for being a shelling point is, for being an economic shelling point is um, economic efficiency, right? So um, like how much, how efficient is your system? Um, you know, going going back to the security, like how fuel efficient it is, um, and this is going to have real impact. You know, um, on on security, on on issuance, and things like that. Um, and it turns out again that um, if Ethereum is orders of magnitude, ten to hundred times uh, more fuel efficient uh, than, than than Bitcoin. And then when you combine these two things together, economic security uh, and economic um, efficiency, then out pops kind of something amazing, which is um, economics scarcity, um, but not just the standard vanilla kind of cap supply economic scarcity, but a new paradigm, which I guess you could call ultrasound money, right? So if Bitcoin is sound money because it has this cap supply, um, then thanks to all sorts of innovations, you know, that go really, really deep, um, at the very surface layer, um, you have you know ultrasound uh, money, and the idea here is that the the total supply is actually decreasing over time, and this is actually somewhat similar to Bitcoin in the long term. So, you know, it's a, a natural process for people to lose their keys. For example, as they die, you know, if they haven't set up uh, you know a proper inheritance mechanism and whatnot, um, then these coins could go could go missing. So. You know, if you estimate that, let's say, um, one in a thousand coins goes missing every year, um, then in roughly 30 years, uh, you know, Bitcoin is, is going to become ultrasound in the sense that the, 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 the amount of money, Bitcoin that is lost uh, through natural mechanisms will outpace the inflation, um, the, the issuance, sorry. Um, um, I guess Ethereum will be ultrasound kind of 30 years earlier. Um, and then Bitcoin, and it will be ultrasound by not just you know 0.1%, but potentially much, much more uh, than that.
So I just can't find out how you can be a professional in this space or call yourself a professional in this space and then not give any reasons for what you're doing there. He literally says these things. He makes these statements and then gives no reasons <laughs> for these statements. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> you can't you can't just say a statement. Right. I can't just say, you know, Ethereum is not decentralized and then not give a reason as to why. Right. Or I can't say Ethereum will never roll back the chain and then not give a reason as to why. Right. I have to explain why Ethereum can roll back the chain. And then if I said that, I would say, why? Well, the reason why is because the DAO hack. Right. And then you would say, what's the DAO hack car? And then I would say, oh, yeah, well, the DAO attack, you know, that happened when the DAO collapsed. Oh, you don't know what when the DAO collapsed. Oh, yeah, that happened when the there was an ICO back in April 2016 and when the DAO was launched. And then you would say, oh, huh, that's interesting. Well, it was interesting because 100 million was raised in May. And then, you know, we had to reverse the crowd sell because that that supply of ETH was hacked. And so they they reversed it. And that's when we forked off and created Ethereum Classic. <laughs> right. There's a reason for, for me explaining that you can't just say these statements and then not explain it. Right. Um, like if I was going to talk about why, you know, Ethereum, <laughs> if I was going to talk about why Ethereum, you know, moved to proof of stake is not beneficial to the average Ethereum holder, um, I would say, well, it's because the vast majority of people who hold ETH don't have a significant supply to actually see any significant returns. And then you would say, well, what's the reason for that car? And then I would say, well, because when you really look at it, you have to see that Coinbase actually holds a large supply of Ethereum. And then you would say, really, that's interesting. And then say, can you prove that? And I would say, yeah, you actually can prove that. And you can see here on the blockchain, they hold a significant amount of Ethereum. And then you would say, what else? And I'd say, well, yeah, actually, you know, it's interesting is that there is a pre-mine with Ethereum where 12 million ETH were created for the developers and 60 million ETH were pre-mined for ICO participants to buy. So if you consider there are 110, 102 million ETH in circulation, at that time, that means 71% of the existing ETH supply was pre-mined during Ethereum's launch. Now, do you get it? Why proof of stake doesn't make sense for the average Ethereum holder unless he's really, 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 really rich or bought at $7 Ethereum? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. It's not quite decentralized as you might think, and it doesn't incentivize Ethereum holders moving to proof of stake, right? So these are reasons you give for things, but, but you can't, you can't just say, you can't just say things, right? You can't just say things and then, and then not expect, you know, and not expect there to be reasons for them. Like that doesn't work like that. <laughs> so this whole thing about ultrasound money on Ethereum is nothing more than a marketing ploy 
a sad marketing ploy by the Ethereum Foundation to kind of kind of you know get themselves out there to all these institutional investors, and it's quite disgusting, in my opinion. And um, like they really should just focus on their Ethereum two development. I don't understand why Justin Drake is worried about coming up with a new meme. It's like, you do you have nothing better to do than focus on this ultrasound money meme? It was like, is this what you're doing with your pre-mine? Right? It's like, is this why you pre-mined all this Ethereum? <laughs> right? It, just just to work on new memes? Um it doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't get it. Um, and uh, to me, this is just not a good look for Ethereum. And, and and quite honestly, you know, you see other Ethereum people in the space are saying the same thing. Like other people are, are frankly, you know, on not on board with this. You know, one of the things that Ethereum had that was that was different than Bitcoin was that it was trying to be programmable money. It was trying to be something that was different. It was trying to do things that was going to, you know, recreate what this Web3 possibility could be. You know, that's what I thought was really cool about Ethereum. Um, but this whole ultrasound money thing, it's just it's just a ploy to get institutional investors to to buy into these Ethereum futures contracts. Um it, 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 it's, it, it's sad. And I don't understand why they have to go this route. And quite frankly, I, I, it's a sad attempt to do it as well, too, because these guys don't understand hard money. And in reality, the people that listen to this podcast, especially, we talk about this all the time. Bitcoin is a global reserve currency for digital assets. We say this over and over and over and over and over again. Even if there is a possibility that Ethereum does in some mechanical, weird way, you know, create a possibility where it, it goes up in value. What do you think people are going to swap to? You think they're just going to pay an ETH? Do you think they're going to swap to USD? Do you think they're just going to uh, leave it there and, and, and store it in ETH? Are they not going to have to use that ETH for gas fees? <laughs> no. They're going to swap it to Bitcoin. They're going to store their value in Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin is the hardest currency known to man, and it is fundamentally made for a store value, right? There is no other reason for Bitcoin to exist other than become, becoming a store value and a currency. That's the only reason for it to exist, <laughs> is to decentralize the money supply and to... Free this world. That's it. That's that's the only mechanism that Bitcoin has. It's to decentralize the world from central bankers 
and to level the playing field. That's it. That's all Bitcoin needs to do. And that's all it's trying to do. It's not trying to compete with Ethereum. It's not trying to do anything else. It's literally trying to kill fiat currency. That's all it's trying to do. It's not trying to compete with anybody else. It doesn't need to. Satoshi Nakamoto said the root problem with conventional currency is all the trust that's required to make it work. The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency. But the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust. Therefore, Bitcoin exists. Let's get into five good minutes. Five good minutes. All right. So today in five good minutes, we're going to talk about Bitcoin. Just want to mention a couple things because I think these need to be brought up. Uh, we got Charles Schwab says they are going to need regulatory clarity before offering crypto trading service. That makes sense. We also got Binance appointing a new head. That's right. Head general here in China. Um, we also have Brazil offering their first Bitcoin ETF. That's pretty awesome. We got uh, PayPal CEO demanding extra, extra, extra crypto services. Says there's a huge demand for it. Um, we also have the New York Stock Exchange files to list shares of Valkyrie's Bitcoin ETF. But uh, like I said, that's going to happen probably next year. Um, and then... One other thing, this is pretty interesting, is JP Morgan is going to let their clients invest in Bitcoin fund for the first time ever. But that's going to happen sometime during the summer. Okay, now that we got that little Bitcoin news out of the way, let's let's jump into this trading shot chart. It's trading shot chart. <laughs> uh, so this is where I see everything kind of happening here. And I was kind of bullish today because there was Tether coming on Coinbase Pro. And if you're somebody like me, you know that Tether printer goes burr, especially during a bull run. That's just past cycles, man. That's just what happens. So right now we're looking at 53,585 for Bitcoin, right? I see this kind of going one of two ways. I, I really think here on the 26th, which was today, was going to tell us where we're going, where we're headed. And now, now it's looking like this is what it's looking like today. We're we're sitting on green candles, but I think here, I think personally, and this is just everything <laughs> in the fibers of my bones, everything that my crypto and Bitcoin intelligence tells me, everything that I've seen up, up, you know, since 2015 in this space. Um, I think if you ask anybody, May is always a bullish month for Bitcoin. Um, I'm expecting a bullish month for Bitcoin. I think when we release Bitcoin in May, I think there's going to be tremendous upside for a multitude of reasons, right? Um, I think if you just look at our calendar, 
Um, we have Ethereal Summit uh, coming up here on the 6th and 7th. We're going to be covering that as well, too. Um, we're going to cover all the Ethereum news that comes out of there. Um, that's going to be interesting. Uh, but usually whenever there's Ethereum, there's Ethereum uh, Summit of some sort. Ethereum usually pumps that that helps the entire ecosystem. Um, we also have consensus coming up at the end of the month. Um, there's a good chance that Walmart might, you know, say something here, <laughs> pro Bitcoin, <laughs> hopefully fingers crossed, uh, sometime in the middle of the month uh, people are thinking it's going to be the 18th. We'll see. Uh, so fingers crossed on that. Um, cause that's really bullish. Uh, so I personally think, you know, May is going to be a super bullish month for Bitcoin. I see I see that trend starting to happen here almost, you know, exclusively here towards the, towards, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday going into Tuesday. I think I think we start riding high. I think we start, you know, hitting 60k here fairly soon. Like, you know, by the by the end of the weekend, I think we're already on that 60k bandwagon. This is I, I think we're I think we're turning it around fast. That's what I think. Um, you know, that's that's where I am going with this personally. That's what I am going for. Now, trading shot. <laughs> he has two scenarios here. And, you know, I, I, I can see this scenario kind of playing out, too. And uh, this would this would totally make sense and would go in line with kind of what we were saying earlier this year with the double top theory. Because technically that 63K would have been um, that 63K would have been our first top, you know, actually 64K would have been our first top. Uh, and so um, basically trading shot has seen the complete opposite. Um, he's seen us go back down to 43, 42K Bitcoin here by by June. He's seen maybe a very bearish month. And he's seen us, you know, hit 43K Bitcoin and then bounce up towards the end of July, um, right around 60K. Do we get two red candles? Mm, it's possible. That's that's fairly in the cards. That's totally possible. That's not that's not unheard of. Um, I'd be really shocked if we got a, a, a red another red month in a row. Um, in a bullish year, bullish banner year, um, with Bitcoin, I'd be very shocked. It'd be really shocking to see another red month, two red months in a row, especially on a bull banner year. Would it be surprising? I guess it wouldn't. Um, um, could, could that, could that lead to June being a, a red month? Yes, it would. It would lead. So that means that'd be three red months in a row. That's what trading shots projecting here. Um, so it would be April red month, May red month and June red month. And then July would be, would be green. And then of course, August, September would be green as well too. Um, I, I the only thing I just don't, I just would have to see some kind of black swan. I feel like there would have to be some kind of major catalyst for that to happen. You know, I feel like there would have to be some kind of you know, major market correction um, hitting everybody all at once. Um, you know, that's that's how I, I would I would I would see that kind of play out. Um, 
but is it is it possible? You know, he has it. He has it here, and I'll put the chart the chart in the show notes so you can see. Uh, I would just be very shocked if that kind of played out like that. Um, I just I just find it really hard to believe that May is not going to be a bullish month. I do I do totally see us falling back down, you know, in, you know mid June, you know, and then having you know really, you know, probably a red month, you know, in in July. Okay, with that, let's get into the hard truth. truth you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth all right so today in the hard truth i'm going to talk the moon math for ethereum staking um i feel like this has to be brought up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just because there's so much, you know, FOMO going on right now that if I don't say something, I don't want, uh, you know, people getting suckered into to this kind of FOMO that's out there, uh, especially if it's something that, I, you know, I could I could actually, you know, bring some light to. Right. So I'm going to put a a link to the two things that we discussed because we've actually discussed this last year where I talked about the Ethereum Golden Spiral and how, you know, Ethereum will get will generate value. Uh, Same thing with theory of hard digital assets. Um, We talk about the digital scarcity model and and how that's going to increase over time through the decade. Um, But, you know, that's going to take a lot longer. That's not supposed to happen this bull run, <laughs> you know, and 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 I feel like a lot of what's going on with Ethereum right now is people trying to force a model uh, like this ultrasound money, which um, is not even true. Um, but if you listen to a theory of hard digital assets, you would understand that Ethereum is a commodity and it, it is a hard digital asset. But it's a hard digital asset on a longer time scale, like through the decade, not, you know, this bull run, um, not even close. So uh, we're going to talk about the moon math and. And I want to talk about the staking, because I feel like there's there's a lot of things that's uh, hearsay and and a lot of stuff that we talked about for almost a year at this point uh, that we were just kind of early on, you know, so. One of the main concerns that I have with Ethereum is is the kind of trusted layer of it all, right? And that was my main criticism about NFTs is, you know, um, you know what happens if if they want to roll back that chain, right? They can. There's nothing stopping them. That's always a concern, right? Um, the, the the next main part to this is. Is, is going to be the um, the move from proof of work to proof of stake. Right now, you have a lot of miners who are very upset um, with what's going on with that. Um, you have gas fees that, that have risen tremendously. Um, I don't know if they have a plan in place and how they're going to do that. I haven't really looked into it. I'm kind of waiting for Ethereal Summit to, to happen here on the 5th and the 6th. So that way we can kind of hear their... Um, their explanation for what they plan on doing. 
So at that point, that's when we'll we'll kind of get the, um, you know, we'll hear it from the horse's mouth uh, on, on what they plan on doing for that. Uh, I would imagine uh, at that point we'll, we'll know. Um, there's going to be an Ethereum burning at some point with EIP 1559. And like I said, we've been talking about this for a year. Who knows when they're going to release this, right? They say July 2021, if you say so, right? We saw how long it took them to roll out um, the deposit contracts. Um, took a really long time. I think they said May of last year. And I don't think they rolled it out until like, what, December or January of this year, whenever it was. Um, and then they plan on doing the Ethereum issuance drops uh, sometimes in, in Q1 2022. Like I said, that's probably going to get pushed back. Um, so there's there's just so much, you know, pushback and pushback and pushback uh, with Ethereum. A lot of this isn't going to get implemented until, especially Ethereum 2, this isn't going to get rolled out into the next bull run in 2024. So even if you were even somewhat interested in, in purchasing Ethereum right now, you're better off waiting until the bear market to buy Ethereum because at least at that point, you'll you'll be buying Ethereum really cheap. Uh, I would imagine we're going to see another, you know, 80% drop in Ethereum price, right? We saw we saw it go up to $1,400, crash back down to 80 bucks. That's when I was able to buy a lot of Ethereum. Um, $120 is where it stayed for a long time, 140, 160, and then it kind of swung back and forth between 180, 120 for a really long time. Uh, that's where a lot, that's where I bought a lot of Ethereum. It was around those ranges. Um, that's why I'm saying like, you're better off just waiting for Ethereum to crash back down. Cause at some point, you know, once we get to this, whatever peak, this is going to be here in this bull run. You know, Ethereum's going to crash back down, I would imagine, to probably like $800 or $700 or $300 or $350 or $400, or whatever it's going to be, right? Like it's it's going to crash back down. Um, you're better off just waiting um, for the next for the next bull run. I, I just don't see the sense of paying $2,000 or $2,400 and then, and then buying, you know, and then holding on to it. <laughs> through this through this bull run unless you plan on selling there at the top and yeah um especially to try to do the staking you're better off just waiting for it to to uh, collapse fully in the bear market and then you know lean into the staking because the staking is not going to be ready um it looks like until 2022 at the no not even <sighs> who knows at this point right so when you look at the the amount of APR that they're supposed to be giving you on staking, it's supposed to be 25%. You know, one of the big problems I see with all of this is that, um, and we'll see as it gets closer, because a lot of this stuff is is still um, kind of uh, getting arbitrage down, uh, depending on the buying pressure on ETH. But, you know, so if it's to say that, you know, let's just say hypothetically, you know, there's a large majority that gets staked on ETH, um, there's a good percentage amount of, of fee burns. Um, let's say hypothetically, you see about 25%, you know, APR on that ETH. Um, you know, you're going to need at least 32 ETH to stake, right? At least 32 ETH. You know, depending on on the on the value of ETH, 
um, people are trying to say like you're never going to sell or that's going to be an option <laughs> or, or you're going to be able to live off of your ETH. You know, maybe in the future, right? Maybe in the tw- maybe maybe later in the decade, maybe. But I think, you know, I think here in this next bull run, that's not a possibility. Uh, that's just not even close to, to being a hypothetical at this point, unless you have a significant amount of eth- Ethereum. Um, but, but at this point, ladies and gentlemen, if you're somebody who's just like a regular retail buyer, um, you really have no business buying Ethereum at these prices right now. It, it's ridiculous. Like me personally, I wouldn't even be buying Ethereum right now. I'm not buying Ethereum. It's just too high. Um, and, and then quite frankly, like you miss, you miss the purchase, the purchase, you miss, you miss the buy-in at it, you know, like you missed the chance to buy in, you know, I, I, it, you just did. Right. It, it's just the truth, you know? And, and so a, a lot, a lot of what this moon math is for Ethereum staking, it really is for these large Ethereum holders like the Coinbase's, like the Raw Pauls, like these institutional investors, like the Winklevoss twins, you know, who who hold the vast majority of, of ETH, like the pre-miners who, like the like the like the like the Justin Drakes, <laughs> like the bankless guys, uh, you know, like the, Ether- the Ethereum heads out there that that hold a lot of ETH, you know, it's for these guys that that are trying to get these rewards because. They're going to be on their day one, right? And they're going to try to get out there and try to hold as much ETH as they can. But those are the same guys who've been buying ETH since $7, you know? Right? Those are the same guys who've been buying ETH since $20 in 2015. So you're, you're, you're really competing against those guys. It's just not, it's just not worth it. <laughs> just wait for the bear market. Uh, you have an easier time, you know. And 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 quite frankly, you know, there there if, if there was a good play here, I would I would say it. You know, it's it's not me just being like total sourpuss about this. No, if there was a really good play here, I would say it. I, I said it last year when there was a good play. <laughs> Go back and listen to these episodes. I literally said there was a good play there. You should probably be buying ETH back then. Um, man, only if we had a time machine, right? Like, this is why I, I rolled out those episodes at that time. And, and this is why I, I was probably the only person, um, you know, talking about this in the Bitcoin space, saying these things. And I was the only crazy person who said these things. And, and um, but, you know, that's fine. I'll be the I'll be the only crazy one waving, waving and dancing by himself until other people gather. But it's. uh, But right now, that's this is not even an opportunity. This is just a an opportunity to buy in at the top and make other people rich. That's that's all that is. And and, and don't let people like Rob Paul fool you. Um, That's that's all he's trying to do here. And it's sad, too, because. A lot of people that that uh, pay for his uh, 
was it like $2,000 subscription? I couldn't imagine charging $2,000. That's crazy. $2,000. That's nuts. Uh, for a subscription, uh, you know, are, are, are buying at the top. Gosh, those are horrible insights. Anyways, that's all I got to say about ETH. Uh, this, I'm, I, ho- I'm, I hope I'm not deterring you from using ETH because I actually am pro ETH. I really am. Um, it's just now is not a good time to buy it. You know, um, it really isn't, you know, and we'll, we'll be covering Ethereal Summit here on the 5th and 6th and we'll dive into it all and everything. And, and actually, um, and we'll, we'll cover all the projects and NFTs and all that stuff. So, um, I'm actually pro ETH. I actually think there's a, there's a reason to hold ETH, but as ultrasound money, that's just crazy. Like that, that doesn't even make any sense like at all, um, at all. And this whole narrative that they're trying to drive home. Um, no, no, not at all. <laughs> like, and it almost feels like they're making a joke. It's almost like they're taking it across. They're almost like, it's almost like they're making it so blatantly absurd that it's almost like a joke, but it feels like they're not joking. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's painfully obvious that it's a joke, but they're not saying it's a joke. So it's kind of hard to distinguish. Are they joking or are they telling the truth? And I have a feeling that they're actually trying to see if this flies. And then if it doesn't, they can always go back and say, oh, no, that was just a joke. But that's still super shady, man, because it it really comes off like you're trying to scam and show people and you're doing at the behest at representing the Ethereum Foundation. Like, what are you doing, Justin Drake? Like, seriously, I don't know. That's that's not a good look. Okay. And then and then I also should I also should make it clear, like, this wasn't a uh, this wasn't a show for me to just shit on Ethereum. That's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, I really am trying to say that this whole ultrasound money Ethereum meme that's going around is not true at all, and you shouldn't fall for it. Like that's what I'm trying to make painfully obvious. I don't think it's right that that's getting spread out there, and I don't think that people are falling for it and running with that narrative. And I haven't seen any media company in the crypto or Bitcoin space say that. And it's really surprising and scary to me at the same time. So that's why this episode exists today, because I want y'all to know that the ultrasound money (laughs) meme that's out there for Ethereum is not true. And it's painfully obvious that it's a joke that is by way getting shilled by Justin Drake or who knows why other than institutional adoption. 